Gonzaga jumped all over Syracuse and withstood another sloppy start to the second half to advance to the fifth place game in the Maui Invitational where they will play the UCLA Bruins. We're going to talk about the win and that upcoming matchup on today's Locked on Zags podcast. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. going on y'all welcome to locked on zags podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day i'm your host and longtime gonzaga podcaster andy cotton here to bring you news and updates on all things zag athletics today's episode of locked on zags is brought to you by prize picks folks go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college use that promo code locked on college and you'll get a first deposit match of up to 100 dollars prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy Well, we got a lot of good, a little bit of bad to analyze from Gonzaga's win over Syracuse. We're going to talk mostly about that today. We're going to close out the show with our five keys to victory for the UCLA Bruins, who Gonzaga will face on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Pacific time. Got to get staying up late the day before Turkey Day. Not the most fun for everybody out there, but still going to be a fantastic matchup with a very new look UCLA team, but a couple players returning who are going to remember what happened last year. We'll get to that, but first... Let's talk about Gonzaga's win over Syracuse. 76 to 57. I know a lot of people probably had to work, probably didn't get to watch this game, maybe just saw some highlights, maybe just saw the score throughout the matchup, and are probably going to look at this and think, okay, Gonzaga coasted 19-point victory over a good but not great Syracuse team. And to some degree, that's correct. But this was kind of an interesting – there was a lot of ebbs and flows in this game. Gonzaga got off to an incredibly hot start right out of the shoots, and we talked about that as being one of the keys to this game when you're playing a second game in a back-to-back, you're playing another team that's playing a second game in a back-to-back. Getting out early is a huge key. Gonzaga jumped out to a 7-0 lead. I think they were up 13-5 to at the first media timeout and really were able to kind of coast to a 10-ish, 10, 12, 15-point lead throughout the majority of the first half. They ended up leading 39-25 to at halftime. And then there was a pretty big lull in the second half. Turnovers got problematic, sloppy, settling for outside shots they didn't need to settle for. Syracuse never got super close. Just going off memory, I think the closest the game ever got was maybe five in the second half. It might have just been seven. But there was definitely just some frustration in how Gonzaga played from like the 18-minute mark in the second half until something like the not even before that seven, six-minute mark in the second half. There's kind of this big chunk of – You know, some good and some bad in there, but more or less a lot of kind of just some of the same problems we saw Gonzaga get plagued with in that Purdue game. But then Gonzaga went on a massive run at the end of the game, spearheaded by a tremendous performance from Ryan Nembhard down the stretch, ended up putting Syracuse back down, ended up securing that 19-point victory, really sealed the deal in that game late. But it wasn't quite as easy as that final score might make it look. But there were some truly fantastic performances in this contest. And I think you got to start with the big fella, Graham E.K., Graham E.K., 16 points, 14 rebounds, four steals in this game. He was 7-14 from the field, missed his only three-point attempt. It wasn't a bad shot. He was wide open. Might as well take those. Uh, Two or three from the free throw line. He had six offensive rebounds. Really helped Gonzaga massacre Syracuse on the boards. Syracuse is a seven-foot-four player in Naheem McLeod. They have a handful of other guys with legitimate size, and Gonzaga blasted them on the boards, 48-28. to was the final here. EK and Anton Watson combined for 27 rebounds, nearly the same amount as Syracuse's entire team. EK was a huge part of that. 
monster game for him. And similarly, a monster game from Anton Watson, primarily in the first half. Watson had 10 points and six rebounds at halftime, five of seven from the field at halftime. He ended up finishing with just 12 points, so didn't do a ton offensively in the second half. Gonzaga didn't really need him to. He didn't miss a whole bunch of shots or anything in the second half. He finished six for 11, so he missed a few shots in that second half, but nothing outrageous from him. He also had three assists. Four of his rebounds were offensive as well. Really good to see him bounce back after really not looking quite like that same version of himself that we saw last year when he was really, really good, especially early in the season for Gonzaga. He hasn't quite been that guy but he definitely looked like that guy, at least in the first half against the Orange. Also got a shout out, Nolan Hickman, 19 points on 7 of 14 shooting. He was also 2 of 6 from 3. The confidence that we've seen from Nolan Hickman this year is incredible. I mean, it's so different than the Nolan Hickman we saw last year. He still makes mistakes. He still turns the basketball over. He still dribbles into traffic. He takes deep threes that maybe he shouldn't take. But the confidence is so much different. He does not look tentative. He does not sink his head when he makes mistakes. He plays with more confidence, more swagger, more arrogance. His ability to drive to the basket, finish through contact is incredible. And I thought the decision-making for the most part was really fantastic in this game. Tremendous to see him do well. And then Ryan Nempard taking over in the second half. He finished with 11 points and seven assists, four of nine shooting. Did almost all of his scoring at the very end of the game. Really good performance from him. Even in the first half when he wasn't scoring much, he was pushing the ball, pushing it out in transition, a lot of throw-ahead passes to get guys going. He also had some turnover issues. He gets a little flashy sometimes, tries to make passes that, that aren't necessarily there. But when Gonzaga needed him to put his foot down and make sure that this game didn't get any closer, he absolutely did that. As a junior player, a leader on this team, for him to step up and shut the door on Syracuse was critical, and we'll need a lot more of him to do that in, in future games. 21-5 and five were the second-chance points for Gonzaga. Again, we talked about the rebounding advantage, but being able to get more second-chance points and, and finish finish plays and, and do that is, is a huge part for Gonzaga as well. And then we kind of talked about that run in the second half, just to put some numbers on it. 13 nothing run. Late in the second half, you extrapolated a little farther, ended up being 19-2. to Syracuse's offense went completely cold. Shout out Gonzaga's defense for forcing a lot of turnovers, getting out in transition, and really putting this game away in the last five minutes. Some of the bad stuff, we'd already touched on it a little bit. Really sloppy start in the second half. This is two games in a row where Gonzaga has come out pretty flat at halftime. It's something that, that they're going to need to adjust being in a new time zone, being playing a second game in back-to-back, -back, there are some kind of excuses that we can use, but those are the same excuses Syracuse would have had, the same excuses Purdue would have had, and, and, and Gonzaga is going to need to tighten this up. They have a, a depth issue, and while it doesn't look like it in terms of how some of those depth players are playing, they're playing pretty well, you can tell that there are some fatigue things that will impact this team, and, and they don't often play three games in a row, but when you get in the NCAA tournament, you have to be able to turn things around quickly. And for Gonzaga, having that depth, being able to rely on, on guys like Luka Krajinovic and Jun Sakyo to come into the games and contribute, they're going to need that because you saw some of that fatigue in this game. The, the Zags were also 18 total turnovers. I mean, that's a huge problem for Gonzaga. Some traveling calls, just sloppiness, uh, taking an extra step. Dusty Stromer turned and passed the ball directly out of bounds one time. Ryan Nempard and, and Nolan Hickman both tried to force passes to EK that just weren't there. Like, it, it's not a, an issue with one particular player. Gonzaga's overall team gets a little bit sloppy. I like the more aggressive tendencies. They're more aggressive defensively. They're more aggressively offensively. And more aggression will lead to more mistakes. And I think I'm okay with that trade-off, particularly on defense. 
I'm okay with them going for steals. I'm, a go, I'm okay with them really trying to be aggressive on defense, knowing that it might lead to some easy buckets on the other end. But uh, there are still some things that need to be tightened up offensively and defensively to keep this team from, from making those kind of mistakes. And then finally, the three-point shooting. Zach shot 7 of 20, which ends up being 35%, significantly better than they shot against Purdue. A lot of that came in the second half. Their outside shooting wasn't great throughout the game. Uh, this this floor and this rims just really don't seem to like outside shooting. Syracuse shot it pretty terribly as well. Uh, it was nice to see Gonzaga be more intentional about forcing the ball down low because that three-point shooting just hasn't showed up. Even though those numbers in this game aren't, aren't bad, it hasn't really showed up in a big way, and that'll be a, a big thing to, to watch when Gonzaga takes on UCLA on Wednesday. Well, the Zags did struggle to stop Judah Mintz, Syracuse's star player. They also didn't get to the free throw line all that much. Those were two of the five keys we discussed coming into the game. Let's talk about those and the three other keys and what it means for Gonzaga going forward, all coming up after a word from today's sponsor, PrizePix. Folks, PrizePix offers weekly promotions that can lead you to big payouts. Like their Taco Tuesday deal, every single Tuesday, PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25%. To provide you with even more value. Plus, with the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So, for NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and they do not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Folks, this is unprecedented in the daily fantasy sports space. Price Picks is the only DSF program that ends up allowing you to do this. Beyond this, Price Picks is really easy to use. All you have to do is pick two or more players and choose more or less with whatever given stat there is. For Thanksgiving Thursday, they have a fantastic deal. Christian McCaffrey rushing plus receiving yards over under is set at 0.5. If Christian McCaffrey gets one yard in that Thursday game, that you will make some money off of him. So that is an easy easy place to drop some money down. So go to pricepix.com slash college. Use that promo code college, and you will get a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's pricepix.com slash college. Use that promo code college for a first deposit match of up to $100. Pricepix. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Also, I want to tell you about Locked On's new national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with local experts of Locked On Plus, our national shows covering every single league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and you can listen 24-7 to all of the big stories going on in the sports world. All right, folks, as we did for the Syracuse game, or excuse me, as we did for the Purdue game on Monday, I want to go over the five keys that I laid out before the game. How did Gonzaga do? Did they execute these keys? Did they not execute these keys? How important was it in the grand scheme of things in the matchup? And then we'll close out the show talking about five different keys for Gonzaga's upcoming game against UCLA on Wednesday evening. So the first key for beating Syracuse was punishing the zone with outside shooting. Well, Zags were 2 of 8 from 3 in the first half. They ended up shooting 5 of 12 in the second half, significantly better. But frankly, we didn't see a lot of zone from Purdue, or excuse me, from Syracuse in the second half. We saw more of it in the first half. We saw it a, a bit in the second half. But frankly, it wasn't a big, it did, this didn't end up being a big factor. Gonzaga chose to attack the zone and attack the man defense by going down low. This was a good decision. Gonzaga was unable to score around the rim in the Purdue game because of Zach Eady. Naheem McLeod is a great 
shot blocker for Syracuse. He's seven foot four. He made some great defensive plays, but he does not have the presence that Zach Eady does. And Gonzaga determined that they could beat this team by going down low to Graham E.K., going down low to Anton Watson, taking advantage on the block. And that's what they did. The outside shooting still was not great. But again, 5 of 12 in the second half, that helped bury Syracuse. The zone defense didn't end up being a huge factor in this game, but it was good to see Gonzaga go back to their roots and pound the ball in the paint. Number two key was try to get the ball out of Judah Mintz's hands. Look, we talked about how good Judah Mintz was coming into the game, and he looked every bit the part. If you're an NBA scout watching this game, you came away thinking, yeah, that Judah Mintz is that dude. He looked, he looked like it. 22 points, 9 of 14, shooting the rest of the team. For Syracuse, had 35 points on 14 of 50 shooting. Mintz did it all. Drives to the basket, acrobatic lay-ins, outside shooting. Uh, 10 of the team's 25 points at halftime. Eight points in the first four minutes of the second half. The dude went absolutely ham. Struggled to score after that for Syracuse. But we did see Gonzaga attempt. They tried some half-court traps, tried to get the ball out of Mintz's hands early. So you did see some attempts at it. But he's just too good. He's too good of a player. He took advantage of any any lapses Gonzaga made defensively, usually led to a bucket for Mintz. He's one of the best players in college basketball and looked every bit that part in this game, despite Syracuse's loss. Next key here was to try to draw fouls and get to the free throw line. Still not something we really saw from Gonzaga in this game. We, we, de- we did see them go down low. We did see EK and Watson throwing a lot of pump fakes, trying to draw contacts, trying to get to the free throw line. But frankly, the refs kind of swallowed their whistle in this game. And I didn't think it was a poorly officiated game. I just thought the refs swallowed their whistle. And in fact, you looked at the box score. I think Syracuse took 10 free throws. Gonzaga took 12. So they're just it was evenly matched. There just wasn't a lot of fouls called either direction. Gonzaga still it appeared tried to execute this plan by going down low, by throwing those pump fakes, by trying to draw contact. They just didn't ultimately result in a lot of free throws. It didn't really result in foul trouble for anybody on Syracuse's roster. Again, because that was three or four from the free throw line at halftime. Syracuse just had seven fouls. The, Gonzaga didn't even get to the free throw line until 449 in the second half. The first 15 minutes of the second half, which was kind of Gonzaga's biggest lull period of the game, they didn't even get to the free throw line. That was when we saw them starting to settle for more outside shots, turning the basketball over more. So it is clear that Gonzaga, when they are playing around the rim, when they are throwing the ball down low, that is when they are at their best. This isn't a surprise or a shock or anything. But while this didn't result in a lot of free throws, I think the game plan to try to do so was what ultimately helped lead Gonzaga to a victory. For the record, Gonzaga finished 9 of 12 from the free throw line in this game. Very nice to see them convert, even if it wasn't on all that many opportunities. Next couple keys, we talked about playing a full 40 minutes, and Gonzaga did not do this. They did not do this. They played a full 20 minutes in the first half, just like they did against Purdue, leading at halftime, playing really well, looking like the version of Gonzaga that we know they're capable of being. They did that against Syracuse here in the first half as well. And then it got sloppy in the second half. Four turnovers in the first four minutes of the second half, ultimately 10 turnovers in the first 15 minutes of the second half, finished with 18 total turnovers. And the end of the game, the way Gonzaga played in the last five or six minutes was phenomenal. We talked about that 19-2 run, Ryan Nembhard getting out in transition, scoring a bunch of buckets. He threw down a dunk. Not sure we were expecting to see many, if any, dunks from Ryan Nembhard this season, but that was fantastic to see from him. But 
it wasn't a full 40 minutes. We still saw those low periods for Gonzaga. They're going to need to find a way to avoid that potentially against UCLA as well, because that's a team that while they're not ranked, while they're not as good as they were last year, Mick Cronin's teams play hard and they play for a full 40 and Gonzaga is not going to get away with having these big low periods in that contest. And then our final key was to start fast. We wanted to see Gonzaga come out second day of a back-to-back, playing less than 24 hours after the conclusion of their game against Purdue, playing a Syracuse team that is also playing about 24 hours after their most recent game. So two teams that are a little bit tired, maybe still even a little bit jet-lagged, fatigued coming into a game, and we knew that a big key would be Gonzaga jumping out to an early lead, and they executed this. They went to Graham E.K. right away. He went right at Nehemiah Cloud, scored a bucket. Dusty Stromer hit a corner three, made it 5 nothing. Watson scored in transition, made it 7 nothing. Ultimately, Gonzaga was leading 13 to 5 at the first media timeout and really was able to maintain that 8, 10, 12, 15 point lead throughout the rest of the first half. That opening jump, that 7 0 lead, kind of catapulted Gonzaga to a, a nice first half. Again, part of that lead kind of got whittled down in the second half because of those frustrating turnovers and, and kind of settling for those outside shots. But ultimately, Gonzaga's big lead early in the game had a big impact on them maintaining that lead throughout the first half and kind of continuing to keep the orange at bay uh, throughout the rest of that first half and ultimately the entire game. Uh, we're going to close out the show discussing Gonzaga's matchup against UCLA on Wednesday evening, how to secure another win over the Bruins, all that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Folks, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. We know you want to be 100% sure that you have access to the best and most qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps find the right people for your team faster, and they do it for free. It's super easy to create a free job post. And then all you do is add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. From there, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates who have just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, folks, rounding out the show today, previewing our third game in three days. It's feast week. We are working as hard as we can here on the Locked On Zags podcast because we got tons and tons of basketball content to discuss. The Zags will take on the Bruins of UCLA on Wednesday. That game is set for 9 p.m. Pacific time. That is a late, late start for the Zags. That fifth place game kind of drew the worst time slot in the entire tournament and kind of eyeballing the tournament and thinking, hey, uh, loss to Purdue and a win over Syracuse felt like a possibility. It felt like a good projection that Gonzaga would be playing UCLA as their perceived loss to Marquette win over Chaminade, which is, of course, what happened. And I kind of thought, hey, Gonzaga-UCLA 9 p.m. on Wednesday kind of feels like a, a likely outcome. And it is not the most fun to be watching a game that late before Thanksgiving, but that is the deal of, of what we're going to be doing here for Gonzaga and UCLA. And I will talk a little bit about the Bruins. They are 4-1. and one. 
have been in that others receiving votes category for a long time, but haven't quite cracked the top 25 and frankly haven't really deserved to be in the top 25 just yet. This is a really brand new roster from last year's team. Uh, they have wins over St. Francis, Lafayette, Long Island, and of course, Chaminade. No really impressive wins out of that group, just haven't played any particularly good teams yet outside of Marquette. And frankly, they deserve a lot of credit for how they played against Marquette. 71 to 69 win for the Golden Eagles, uh, but UCLA led for huge chunks of this game. Marquette's fourth in the country. UCLA led against a top five team for like 30 something minutes in this game against the Golden Eagles. They ended up losing because Marquette made a furious comeback at the end of the game and UCLA kind of ran out of steam in that one. I think Marquette is, is the better team, but again, UCLA played really well with them. This is by no stretch of the imagination to gimme game for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. UCLA is a very good team. It will not surprise me at all. In fact, I'll say this, when Gonzaga is ranked in the top 25, or excuse me, when UCLA is ranked in the top 25, it'll be uh, a, a moment for Gonzaga to hopefully have secured a victory here and, and know that they have another win over a ranked team, even if they weren't ranked at the time of playing them, because I think UCLA, especially as some of their young international freshmen start to get more acclimated to college basketball and Mick Cronin's offense, I think we'll see that team really take off as they get into conference play, but they're a little raw around the edges right now. Ken Palm has them 32nd in the country as I'm recording this. Offensively, they are 70th. That is where they, they struggle a little bit on the offensive end of the floor. Defensively, though, they are 20th. So we're going to give Gonzaga some fits with their defensive energy. Mick Cronin is very known for that, so that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody watching this game. Tempo-wise, as, again, as we're recording this, 328th. Don't be surprised to see them play a slow pace, a methodical pace, try to force Gonzaga into longer possessions as well. And that's going to lead directly into our first key to victory for Gonzaga. Do not play at UCLA's pace. Play at Gonzaga's pace. This is a key against St. Mary's. Every time you play them, it's a key against a lot of other teams that like to run that slower-paced offense. Don't let them, or at least don't let their defense force us into playing a slower offense. Set the tempo. That's the key. And, and it, Gonzaga, by all accounts, looks like a team that wants to do that. Ryan Nemhard does not get the basketball and ever take it slow unless he knows that that's the right situation, like it's an end-of-game situation, or he gets the ball and sees four opposing team jerseys in front of him and nobody on his own team. He makes the right reads on that stuff, but when there is even a shred of opportunity to run, Ryan Nemhard is running, he's pushing the tempo, he's throwing the ball ahead, and that is what is going to be vital in this game. Force UCLA to play at a tempo that they're not comfortable with allow Gonzaga to play at the tempo that they want to play at. That is a vital key in this game and really is going to come down to mostly the play of Ryan Nemhart. Nolan Hickman will have a significant role in this as well. But third game, three days, it's tired, you're fatigued, and the temptation to play at a slower pace and kind of match UCLA's tempo is probably going to be there. But if we can push it and force them to play, because they're going to be tired too, I think that's a big key to a victory for the Zags. Key number two, same key we had in that Syracuse game. Draw foul, get to the dang free throw line. Get to the free throw line. UCLA has a pretty experienced, inexperienced front court. They are led by Adembona. Adembona is great. He is a breakout candidate in the Pac-12. He looks like a potential first-round pick in the NBA draft. We knew him coming back to UCLA was going to result in that. He had shoulder injuries that limited him last year. He's a great shot blocker. He's a, a great low-post presence. But getting him in foul trouble is vital. Because then UCLA has to go to their bench, and they don't have a ton of bench depth. Now, they do have another potential first-round pick coming off the bench in a day Mara. Mara's over seven feet tall. He's from Spain. He's drawn 
somewhat lazy comparisons to the uh, Gasol brothers because he's tall and from Spain, but he is an NBA draft prospect because he's seven feet tall and can space the floor. He hasn't done much. He hasn't done much in college up to this point. But getting him on the floor, being able to, to challenge him, to take him off the dribble, to force him to, to potentially commit some fouls, convert from the free throw line, another key for Gonzaga to secure a victory here. And then kind of in that same vein, it's it's a similar key, I'll admit. These could kind of be lumped together. Uh, pound the ball to Graham E.K. Why not? He has clearly earned it. 16 points, 14 rebounds in that game against Syracuse. Played well against Purdue as well. Graham E.K. needs the rock in his hands early and often. Again, a Dembone is a good shot blocker. There's a chance that he's going to get E.K. a few times, but that should be the game plan. Go to E.K., let him go to work. Go to Watson, let him go to work. Go to Gregor Huff, let them go to work. Pound the ball in the paint. Those rims are not forgiving in Hawaii. It has been very clear through the first couple of games, even those of you who, who have watched Tennessee and Syracuse, who watched Purdue's other games, uh, Purdue versus Tennessee, who watched UCLA Marquette, the rims are not forgiving. So for Gonzaga, a key in this game is to go into the block, beat UCLA down low, beat them by getting to the free throw line, beat them by feeding Graham EK early and often. Do not settle for outside shots unless you are wide open force the ball in the paint and win that way, because this is an advantage that Gonzaga can take uh, take, take with them and, and use to secure a victory. Next up, guess what? We're rolling with the same one again here. Avoid a second half lull. In other words, play a full 40 minutes. We're repeating it again. We've seen it in both games so far. Gonzaga did not play to start the second half, did not play well to start the second half against Purdue. They did not play well to start the second half against Syracuse. Mick Cronin is a master mid-game adjuster. He will make changes depending on what happens in the first half between Gonzaga and UCLA. They will come out with something different, a different look, a different scheme, a different lineup, whatever it may be. Gonzaga needs to avoid having a lull between the start of the second half and the first media timeout because that is something that UCLA will take advantage of. Syracuse cut it to seven. UCLA, if they are down, they could erase a lead quickly in the second half. Purdue did the same thing. This is a vital. It's the third game in three days. Everybody's tired. Coming out with a lull in the second half is not surprising in that situation, but Gonzaga has to avoid it if they want to come out of this thing with a 2-1 and one record and not having suffered two losses. And then the final key here for Gonzaga, pressure UCLA's guards. They got a ton of young guards. They have very good guards on this roster. Sebastian Max, a freshman, he's been playing fantastic, averaging over 15 points per game for them. Dylan Andrews is fantastic as well, a bit more of a veteran guy for them, but Make UCLA's guards make mistakes. Use those half-court traps. Use that full-court trap. Put Anton Watson out there. Put Dusty Stromer out there. Get deflections. Get tip-aways. Do not let UCLA's guards get comfortable. Again, this is a team that wants to get settled in their half-court offense, run the clock, take 20, 23, 25 seconds off the shot clock every single possession. Going along with that first key of pushing the pace and setting the tempo, don't let UCLA's guards get comfortable. Pressure them. We've seen it work against Gonzaga so often when teams put pressure on Gonzaga's guards and don't let them get settled into their motion offense, into their ball screen actions. Don't let UCLA do the same. Make those freshman guards make mistakes. They are turnover prone. This team is averaging, they don't have a ton of turnovers on the season. Again, they haven't played some great teams, but like Max averaging over two turnovers per game. Force him to get rid of the basketball, force him to make mistakes. 
Gonzaga's guards are there's not a lot of depth in that front court or in that back court, which is an issue for Gonzaga that's going to be an issue throughout the season. But use them to put that pressure on UCLA's guards, force them to make mistakes, get yourself some easy buckets that way. That way you're setting the tempo, you're getting easy baskets at the rim, and you're forcing UCLA's guards to have to make adjustments. All of that is vital to a win for Gonzaga against UCLA in this one. That's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Thanks again for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out, of course, to those everyday listeners. Shout out to those of you on Discord. I had a lot of fun chatting about the Syracuse game in that game thread. We're talking all sorts of fun stuff every single day on the Discord channel. It is free to join. Just click that link in your show notes and you'll be taken right there with us. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, as always, go Zags.